0: it's time now for north star sports your source for the hottest sports takes in the business here's your host owen ely hello everyone and welcome to north star sports i'm your host owen ely you can follow me on twitter at owen ely you also can follow north star sports on twitter at Northstar MIN. Be sure to check out our website at Northstarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, January 13th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Cater, which will take place at the Flash Forum on UFC Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. And it is great to be back with you guys uh, for many reasons. For many reasons. Uh, Most notably because we are finally, finally out of the dark ages uh, of not having uh, a Saturday with uh, a UFC event. Uh, You know, it was a tough three weeks. You know, there was some college football. Uh, NFL playoffs were cool. But, you know, now that the UFC is back, fuck everything else. Okay, I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to be very honest here. Fuck everything else. Okay, I saw that James Harden, you know, 265-pound James Harden just got traded to the Nets couldn't give less of a shit because you know why the ufc's back and you know if this happened last week i probably would have talked about it but you know fuck every other sport you know the ufc is the greatest man you know what i mean and they're back the big boy is back in town okay you know when, when the big boy is on vacation you know that's when all the little mice come out and you know that's when we care about alabama and ohio state i mean you know one of the lowest rated championship games you know in recent memory i think in like 15 years uh you know that's when the mice come out and play but you know when when the head honcho is back in town okay people know what's up and uh you know the ufc's back baby and you know it's on it's even on abc this is not even ufc fight night on espn plus it's ufc fight night on abc even though i think it is simulcast on um espn plus but either way i mean you know the UFC's really becoming the big boy in town here. And, uh, you know, I'm excited because, you know, the UFC has these cycles where you can predict things based on the time of the year, okay? Because there's a lot of logic and a lot of thought that goes into UFC matchmaking. And, you know, who do we make fights against against, and and, and when do we make them? And, of course, there's a lot of variables, injuries, and, you know, some people turn down fights and... um. You know, there's X amount of time. You can't just fight people every single weekend. You know, you got to give them time to heal unless they're Kevin Holland or Hamzat Chimaev. And then, you know, maybe you can fight them every weekend. But uh, we, we always know that there's a big pay-per-view, a really big pay-per-view, at least twice a year. There's always a summer one and the winter one. And the winter one is always the last pay-per-view of the year in December. And the big summer pay-per-view is always on International Fight Week. Now, sometimes there's also big pay-per-views just randomly throughout the year. Okay, of course, uh, you know one of the biggest pay-per-views of all time was 246, uh, uh, um, uh, Conor McGregor and uh, and Cowboy Cerrone, and that was in January. Just I guess when they wanted to, when they wanted to put it, I guess they couldn't you know figure out a, a spot or um, you know they they tend to not do the the non-title fight main event pay-per-views with other title fights because obviously they have priority there with with titles um but i'm excited because you know again going with the pattern quarter one typically sucks you know so th- there, there's always good fights but it's just people you've never heard of quarter one of course there's many exceptions but it's you know the ufc really puts a lot into the into quarter four and quarter two but you know quarter one i mean that's that's when we kind of sneak in some weird fight nights and stuff like that and there are some weird fight nights which we'll get to in then in the coming weeks but you know we have uh conor mcgregor and dustin portier too and we have uh, this one here holloway and cater i'm very excited for this main event uh i am excited for the card uh on the whole although uh, you know again it's a fight night so it's not the greatest card you've ever seen but i am excited you know I've been keeping I've been keeping uh busy you know I went back and I uh, I bought the DLC for the greatest video game of all time I don't care what anybody says greatest video game of all time is is Tom Clancy's uh Ghost Recon Wildlands it's, oh just so superior and there's so many good uh Tom Clancy games uh Rainbow Six sucks it's terrible okay don't know what to tell you A lot of tryhards on that game. Maybe it's fun if you get into it, but it's one of those games where if you if you didn't start when it came out, I don't know. You're you're so far behind. It's like GTA Online. You know, I'm not going to spend 200 bucks to play that game, and uh, you know, there's there's no sense in starting GTA 5 Online. You know, anytime later than 2014 because you're you're already so far behind, and you know, whatever. But Uh, and and, and then the new one they came out with, Breakpoint or whatever, uh, I bought that when it came out, I didn't even get 30 minutes into the game, it was just dog shit, I I didn't like it, but they found something special with Wildlands, that's a great game, so I've been playing some of the DLC, not very good, okay, not very good, uh, Narcos Road, I mean, it gets better as it goes on, but it's a rough patch, I don't, I don't like it too much, and then Fallen Ghosts or whatever, um, Nah, it's just okay, it's okay. It's not as good as the base game. The base game is epic, and it takes you, like, honestly, even if you know life that game, it still takes you about a month to beat it. I mean, there's so much... If you want to beat it to 100% mastery and get all the little fucking... Oh, man, all those little tape recorders and shit. Ah, man. It can take some time. Or, honestly, I'd be surprised if anybody's actually... I mean, I bet you they obviously have, but, like... To master that game entirely is just ridiculous, because then that means you also have to beat like the the predator or no alien. You have to beat the alien or whatever. No, that is predator. Never mind. You have to beat that predator in the swamp, which is fucking imp- even on easy. That that's impossible. I've never beaten it. But you know, whatever. I digress. You know, we're we're back to the relevant times. We're back to the UFC, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, we do have a little bit of housekeeping to get to. Uh, before we move on to the preview and that is matchmaking for i believe we're on nss 24 um but yeah that's obviously been on hiatus because if there's no main card then there is no main card showdown although we have discussed you know doing some other stuff with the main card showdown like adding new belts but these are the official matchups for the biggest card we have ever done. I believe there are seven fights on here, so that's that's interesting. Uh, obviously, I am taking on Jordan. I mean, we all knew that after I, uh, you know, got the silver medal and he got the gold medal. You know, after beating a, a baby, after beating you know a small child, you know, in in a in a game of you know intellect. Uh, we also have our first father-son battle so in the co event it's going to be drew peterson and patrick star peterson that is confirmed that is confirmed uh we also are going to have reagan hooverman former champion reagan hooverman taking on pip uh and i gotta be honest you know that's that's a big step up in competition for pip okay because pip is on quite the slide okay i think he's on a two-fight losing streak and uh he also is a small child so you know that one's going to be a rough one for him, but, you know, there, there's not a lot to lose for Pip. You know, his back's against the wall there, so if he wins, that's a very big upset. So that's uh, that's a good one for him. Let's take a sip there. My Arnold Palmer. Maybe one of the greatest drinks of all time. I'm sure we can talk about that on the drink show right after the uh, the soup hour. Uh, we also have Magnuson taking on Captain Captain is on a, a two-fight winning streak, so he's just surging. And you know, I'm curious to see how this goes with with uh, Bree. because you know she's always been in the middle. Okay, she's never got a title shot, but she's never fallen all the way to the bottom of the rankings. She's just, you know, just an average competitor. You know what I mean? Just just completely average. So we got to see. You know, is this the year she steps up, or is this the year that she falls off? You know what I mean? Because you can't really stay in the middle for. I guess you could stay in the middle, but. You know what are we what are we gonna get? What are we gonna get from Magnuson? Is this gonna be her shining moment, beating the 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 young upstart captain? Okay, or you know, is she just gonna be you know a, a bottom bottom of the barrel competitor? Uh, we also have Peyton, who's on a uh, two fight losing streak. He'll be taking on Steve, taking on Steve there. Uh, so a newcomer. Uh, we also have. Uh, ireland taking on wiegert that'll be interesting and our final matchup is uh b todd we couldn't find him anybody so he's going to take on Grampoo the squirrel uh so hopefully all these all these matchups take place i would if i had to be a betting man if i was a betting man i would say these matchups don't take place i would say at least somebody at least i would say at least two people don't get their picks in in time because another thing that you got to consider that me and Drew talked about on the last show is, you know, you could it could be fine and you could get your picks in on Thursday, but we also live in COVID. We also live, you know, in a in a world where uh, people miss weight or have to get hospitalized because of a weight cut. So, you know, a lot of the times it's me, you know, texting Drew for his 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 picks that we need because. Uh, you know, we're four hours before the start of it. And, uh, you know, the, the picks are incorrect because the, the main card changes. And <clears throat> I think I've decided, cause I'll do my best to get people matchups. Okay. But I'm not, I don't, so I care about the matchups, but I don't give a fuck about the people making the matchups. So like if somebody doesn't get their correct picks in, even if it's a few hours before the show, if they have four of their five, if, if they have four of the five, picks in but one's not correct, you're disqualified. It doesn't go against your record. You just you're not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Where well, this person didn't get their pick in, so let's just cancel that other person's pick. And, and if it, if it's a five card main card showdown, let's just make it a four. No, because maybe they would have beat that person with four, but they would have lost with five. And I'm I'm just not I'm not doing that. So if the picks are not correct and on in time that's your own fault i'm not letting your picks impact somebody else's picks so if the picks aren't correct i mean tough shit you know if it's 30 minutes before and the picks are canceled then you know tough shit you got to get those picks in in 30 or you know we're fine we'll we'll replace you we'll move somebody else from lower on the card up you know what i mean that's just how it has to work because i you know we can't have it we can't have it where some of the fights count and some of them do- don't. You know, it's got to be it's got to be straight up because there's not a lot of room for error, okay? Because a lot of the you know most most weeks, most weeks, uh, you know these scores come down to one or two points and they typically swing on on one fight. So that's just how it is, man. If if the picks are not correct, then you know you're out of here. you it's it's void. Uh, cause I, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking about that and I think that's just how it has to be. Um, I think that's all I have to get to there so we can get right into this, uh, preview for UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Cater. And we will start on the prelims. The prelim opener is a featherweight fight between Jacob Kilburn and Austin Lingo. Uh, Austin Lingo is going to be the minus 235 favorite. Uh, and, uh, again tough to decipher what's what's going to happen here because these are two uh, very newcomers uh, very new newcomers and uh, yeah Austin Lingo he lost his uh, debut to Yusuf Zalal that's a pretty tough draw there um, he, he has come from LFA so um, you know uh, I do notice some good fights uh, good fighters coming out of uh, LFA and Jacob Kilburn uh, not making his UFC debut uh, he but but he lost his debut he also lost his only fight on the contender series uh, he got choked up by Bobby Moffitt and then choked out by Billy quarantillo uh, in his UFC debut tough one to decipher and again I don't have a whole lot of stats on either of these two guys so I'm gonna go with the, the money line on this and I'll go with Austin lingo I have no reason other than what the what the um the odds makers are saying uh yeah that, that one's a rough one all right, moving on. We'll have Sarah Morris taking on Vanessa Mello uh, in the women's bantamweight division. Uh, some uh, not so great records here. Sarah Morris uh, six and six. Vanessa Bel- Vanessa Mello uh, ten and eight. Uh, we'll look at the odds here, coming from Odds Shark. They'll have Sarah Morris as the minus two forty favorite. Uh, yeah, this one's a rough one. Uh, neither of these fighters seem to belong in the UFC I'm not gonna say they don't because I'm gonna be a lot nicer in 2021 I'm not gonna say I'm not necessarily gonna say people are don't belong in the UFC I'm just gonna to present to you that this is a person who has a 500 overall record and yet occupies a spot on a UFC roster so you know that's what I'm gonna do now I'm gonna say that I'm gonna save the should not be on a UFC roster for specific fighters who really don't belong uh, but yeah, this one, I mean, Jesus H Lord, uh, Sarah Morris, uh, she, uh, lost her last fight to Sajara Eubanks. She has lost four of her last five and five of her last seven. So, you know, not going super great for, uh, the old Canadian over there lost to a lot of, uh, nondescript fighters in the UFC. And, uh, yeah. Oh man. And then uh, Vanessa Mello, <laughs> At least she's above 500. Okay, at least at least she's 10 and 8. So there we go. Um, but she also oh, okay. So she doesn't even have a win in the UFC. She's 0 and 3 in the UFC. So th- these are the type of fights that I hate the most. Just <sighs> what's a nice way I can put it? Just a couple of fighters who need more seasoning. And it's tough to tell who's going to win because both fighters uh, are, you know, they need a lot more seasoning. I'm going to go with Sarah Morris just because she has a win in the UFC, but think fuck this is not on a main card because this this is a type of fight that would you would just get 10 7 on and it would just ruin your fucking entire card. So yeah, we're going to go Sarah Mello and uh, I'm not going to spend another second talking about this because... Uh, it's It's not going to be a good fight. And I promise you, I promise you it will go to a decision. I can guarantee this much. All right, moving on. Uh, we have a welterweight fight between David Zawada and Ramazan Emiv. We'll take a look at the odds here. They will show that Emiv is the minus 270 favorite. Uh, this one is, is actually a pretty underrated fight. I mean, these are two fighters who definitely are not in the rankings nor do they get a lot of respect uh in the UFC uh David Zawada 17 and 5 uh out of uh Germany and uh he's uh he's one and two in his last three fights uh, all those in the UFC uh he is someone who has a fair amount of fights over in KSW uh but uh yeah and he he had a rough 2020 because he had a couple of fights canceled uh he's got to be pretty thankful that none of those fights went through because i see one of them is against munir lizez uh which probably would not have gone his way uh and uh emiv just another russian that you know nobody knows or or gives a shit about but you know is a really good fighter you know like a lot of these russians uh and uh yeah, he's also had a, a tough stretch there of, of fights getting canceled. Uh, lost in November of 2019 to uh, Tony Martin, who's just another perplexing uh, fighter. Uh, but he, he did come back on the second go-around on Fight Island and beat Nicholas Um Yeah, I'm going to go with Amiv on this one. And I guess I'll go by decision because he's not finishing a lot of fights these days. But uh, I I don't have a whole lot in the old scouting department on uh, either of these fighters. Although the scouting department is growing, it is growing. Um, The only problem with my scouting is that I have to see the fighters fight before they get added to the to the scouting rolodex. Just because I'm not I'm not going to go through every 500 fighters all at once and put their shit into the scouting book. But every single time a fighter appears in a UFC card, they're going to get added to it. So, you know, it's going to be one hell of a book in two years. But for now, it's, it's like, you know, 30 fighters or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's growing. It's growing. Uh, moving on, we have a heavyweight fight between Justin Taffa and Carlos Felipe. Uh, Taffa is 4-1. and one, Felipe is 9-1. and one. Uh the odds are gonna have Felipe as the minus two hundred favorite. Uh just two big boys. Two big, 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 big boys. Uh I mean I guess that's most of the heavyweight division. Unfortunately, you know, most of the heavyweight division is just, you know, excess fat. But uh, you know, not not a whole lot of fighters looking like Cyril gone, but like I've always said, that's the direction that uh we're going. Um been a hot minute since uh since Justin Toffa has fought uh he last fought back at UFC 247 uh where he just demolished Juan Adams in front of his uh home city um not a lot of not a lot of tape to go off of because he's got two fights in the UFC and before that he had three fights in the XFC whatever the fuck that is uh yeah he's a big boy he likes to swing a lot he's got a very big stomach and. Uh, he throws for power. He throws for he throws for heat. Uh, Carlos Felipe, I believe he also has a, a very big stomach. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess physically they're exactly the same. They both have the reaches of a featherweight at 75 inches. And they're both 6 feet tall and come in at the limit, which, you know, that's a bold strategy. I, I don't know the last time we've had a champion who's been... Uh, Those dimensions, not even DC was those dimensions, but uh, he also only has two fights in the UFC Uh, He had his last fight was against Jorgen DiCastro. I remember that one Uh, That that was just them gassing out for like the final two rounds Uh, So I don't know. I don't think this fight's gonna go very long. I hope this fight doesn't go very long I just hope somebody gets fucking absolutely speared in this fight because otherwise it's going to be pretty fucking boring Oh, you know what I'll actually go with the underdog here I'll go with Justin Taffa uh, just because I think well actually Felipe doesn't have a knockout in the UFC so you know Taffa does and and Felipe doesn't although I do like Felipe's nickname because it's just boy so I don't know that makes it a little close but I am going to go with Taffa on this one plus he's Australian so you know he's got that going for him as well and you know Australians are pretty cool people I suppose Uh, moving on here still on the prelims we have a woman's flyweight fight between Yanan Wu and Jocelyn Edwards Wu is 11 and 3 Edwards 9 and 2 Uh, we look at the odds here they'll have uh, Wu as the minus 120 favorite Edwards as the minus 110 favorite don't know how that's possible I also apologize if I don't get her name correct because I never I never know cuz I see it here as Wu Yanan but then I see it on the other thing as Yanan Wu so I'm always confused with the Chinese the Chinese first and last names cuz I always see them in reverse order and I don't I I don't know. I think Wu's the last name cuz I I've, I've seen that more often but I'm just talking out of my ass I suppose. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll call her Wu. Hopefully, that's the the correct thing to to call her, and it's her first name's not Yanan. But uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not a cultured man. I'm not a cultured man, so I don't, I don't, I don't know which one is uh, is accurate. Actually, you know what? We have the UFC on here somewhere. Okay, the UFC has it as Wu Yanan. So I guess Wu is her first name. So we'll go Yanan because that's her last name, and we don't call fighters by their first names. Um. Yeah, I uh I don't I don't have too much to say on on this one. I think it is interesting that Edwards comes in as the minus 110 favorite uh just because I believe this is her UFC debut. Uh it is. So that that's interesting because I, you know, I don't know. We've seen a handful of uh Chinese fighters, specifically female fighters um you know, have have a good amount of success. Uh, for for whatever that is, I don't know. I mean, we see a lot of, you know, historically, the the female division hasn't been around for very long. But we've seen a lot of like Japanese fighters uh, come in and not really do a whole lot, like a uh, a Rin Nakai. Uh, I guess we'll see what Mizuki Inoue does. Um, but I don't I don't know. Um, you know, these these Chinese fighters seem to be pretty darn good. Uh, and I don't know, because obviously Asia has a, a deep history of uh, mixed martial arts, but not a very deep history in the UFC. Of course, there's been fighters, um, but I don't know. I wonder. I wonder why that is. I know the UFC. I think the UFC is putting a PI in China. So I don't know. I know they tried doing the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I think they just called it the Ultimate Fighter China, um, but that didn't go so hot, because you know. You go back on Tapology and look at some of those fighters, and they did nothing after appearing on that show. So maybe they tried that a little too early. Maybe they, maybe they should have waited on going to China. But now I think China's ready. Now that they have a champ, and you know, now that they got uh, Li Jian. Well, obviously he's been in the UFC for a little bit, but you know, he's slowly rising, slowly rising. Had some wins, had some losses, but um, yeah, I don't know anything about Edwards. I didn't even know that the UFC signed her, but. Uh, she has a lot of finishes, a lot of finishes over in UCC uh, in a couple of fights in the King of the Cage. Um, she is from Panama, I could have swore UCC was like a Filipino um, organization, but you know, I don't know, I guess you can travel to the Philippines, but uh, I'm going to go with Wu on this one uh, just because she's uh, fought in the UFC before and uh, I don't know, That's that's honestly good enough for me. Uh, especially when I I know nothing about the other fighter uh, at all. Although uh, she uh, she is one and two in the UFC, so that's uh, you know not the best record in the world. Not the best record in the in the world, but um, it was a split decision her last time out to the aforementioned uh, Mizuki Inoue. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I suppose that's why it's essentially a pick 'em. All right, moving on to the prelim headliner, we have a middleweight bout between Nasser Dean, Imavov and Phil Hayes. Uh, both of these fighters are nine and two. We look at the odds here; they'll have Hayes as the minus one thirty-five favorite. And uh, this this is a this is very good matchmaking, outside of the fact that they're two prospects. I mean, that's. Again, that's my only beef is you you have these two guys that you've identified as talented youngsters and you're just like, well, instead of having them both, uh, let's just smash them together and and figure out which one's uh, the real deal. Although I'm not sure you know who's the real deal. Just be I mean, cuz e- even if you even if you win, it doesn't mean you're the real deal. It just means that you've eliminated a prospect. You know, it's not like you beat someone who's ranked 15 where you're like, "Oh, wow, that's the guy now." But uh I don't know, I, I had no idea who Imovov was, uh, he was just some guy that the UFC signed uh, to make his debut back on Fight Island, uh, and he took on Jordan Williams, and, and that's the guy who came off of the Contender Series who has um, diabetes, so he can't cut weight, and he won the fight pretty decisively from what I can remember. Um, but I don't know. That is interesting because Williams, if he didn't have diabetes, would be a welterweight. So that is that is a real deal. I mean, I'm rooting for the guy. But he was a guy who came in, I think, at like 183 or something. So, I mean, there's there, honestly, there's probably a lot of lightweight to cut down from like 180. So he's honestly not that far off from being a, a lightweight if he could go down a regular path. So it was an impressive win. I, I didn't know who uh, nasruddin was. But you talked about impressive wins and impressive debuts and Phil Hayes, I mean Jesus. Megatron had uh, quite the impressive debut against Jacob Malcoon, uh, where he knocked him out in 18 seconds back at UFC 254. Uh, yeah, and that, that was uh, a guy who trained with Robert Whitaker. so that you know that's kind of it's kind of Rob's boy. And uh, I mean probably shouldn't have been in the UFC because he was 4-0 and and I just I don't like seeing that but uh, yeah he's had two really good wins he also beat Murad Bestaev on the contender series and yeah that was the guy who was 6 foot 6 at middleweight so that is beyond interesting how that happens um, but I don't know that guy is scary we didn't get to see a lot of him He's been a highly touted prospect for a long time, even though he's 32 and essentially, you know, getting his first crack here at the UFC. Uh, I, I think he's one of those guys who can make noise right away. I think he's one of those guys like a menafield that they'll try to promote, uh, a, a guy like uh, William Knight. I mean, he's a really big guy. He's a really big muscular guy, a lot of power. Uh, I don't know, Malcoon he was walking back cuz that's why he was against the cage. I don't know how much he he respected his striking necessarily. Not that he disrespected it, but uh yeah, I don't know. I would I would I would have to think that Imbovav is going to have to respect the power of Phil Hayes. Uh but I'm going to go Phil Hayes probably by first round TKO just cuz I don't know, man. He finishes a lot of fights real early and uh I don't know i have to imagine he also has a chip on his shoulder for, uh, for being held down so long uh, and, and kept away from uh, the UFC. So we'll go Phil Hayes. All right, moving on now to the main card. We'll have Hale, Soriano taking on Dusko, Todorovic. Uh, both fighters are undefeated. Soriano comes in with a record of 7-0, and Todorovic with a record of 10-0. and uh, we'll look at the odds here. They'll have Todorovic as the minus one sixty five favorite. Uh, and again, like I just said, with Imovav and Hayes, not too crazy about the matchmaking here. I don't really like when prospects take on other prospects. But uh, you know, this one should be should be a good fight. Um, Soriano, that was the guy who came off of the contender series. Uh, interesting nickname, Story Time. Don't don't really know if I like that. Hopefully, there's some. Bigger meaning behind it um not exactly the biggest guy at middleweight but uh had had a pretty good uh UFC debut uh against Oscar Pihota knocked him out in uh round number one pretty early in round number one also beat Jamie the Nightwolf Pickett on the contender series uh could not get a matchup in 2020 so you know he's had a little bit of time to train hopefully and and get better and uh Todorovic, that was also a guy who, you know, man, he had some scheduling nightmares as well. Uh, 26 years old, pretty highly touted, had three canceled bouts against John Phillips uh, in 2020. And a guy who had an impressive win on the Contender Series and, you know, just took forever for him to get his his debut. Eventually did against Daquan Townsend, where he knocked him out in the second round. Uh, Good performance, probably should have finished him a little bit earlier. You know would have been a little more impressive Townsend's not a very good UFC fighter doesn't have a whole lot of wins in the company um but I will go Todorovic on this one uh I I think he's got pretty good striking he's dangerous I think if he you know and I think he will because he's still young very even very young in his career uh although not as young as Soriano I mean 10 10 versus 7 but you know if, if he if he can kind of put it together a little more because again I go back to the Townsend fight where you know uh, he, he was hurting him he was swinging pretty hard um, you know until he fell down but you know I think if he I don't want to say patient because again I'm I'm trying to recoup some memory from four months ago but uh, I wouldn't say patient but if he just kind of put it together I think he I think he could have finished him uh, a little bit sooner so Uh, This is a step up in competition, even though uh, it's definitely a step down in experience. Townsend had 32 fights uh, at at the time of that one. So, um, yeah, this is one of those ones where I I totally could be wrong uh, just because, you know, fucking, they're they're both so young in their career that it wouldn't shock me if any outcome happened. But, I mean, this, this also is a guy... In uh, Todorovic, by the way, who knocked out Michelle Pajeda in, in round number one in Serbian Battle Championship 19. So I mean that's interesting. I mean you look you look at what Pajeda doing these days. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess he's not really beating ranked opponents, but you know he, he's certainly having a good time, having a good time. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, we're going to have uh, another middleweight fight here between Joaquin Buckley and Alessio DiCirico. Uh, Buckley is 12-3, and DiCirico is 12-5. and We'll take a look at the Odds Shark odds. They'll have Buckley as the minus 280 favorite. Uh, I mean, I respect that the UFC is just kind of making them go through the, the ranks here, but I, I don't know if that's the smartest marketing Uh, that they could probably do, Uh, you know, because Buckley is very hot right now, very hot right now, and I know that, like, just a year ago, he got knocked out by Kevin Holland, so, less uh, less than a year ago, he got knocked out by Kevin Holland, but, um, I don't know, they're really, they're not giving him the star treatment, okay, I mean, you know, they're doing a lot of stuff on social media, but, you know, it's not like he's fighting a ranked opponent, so, uh, this one is interesting, although, you know, you kind of look at certain fighters and, uh, you know, in certain events in their career, and you just go, oh, that changed you completely. So, like, Joaquin Buckley, uh, he made his UFC debut against Kevin Holland and got knocked out in the third round, and he was fighting pretty well. Uh, you know, they were both talking back and forth, and, uh, you know, he, he fought valiantly, It was a good fight, but, you know, Kevin Holland was a little bit too much and fucking flatlined him, and I don't know. I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, Kevin Holland's not as good as I thought he was, because that fight was a lot tougher than it should have been against some guy who nobody fucking knows who Joaquin Buckley is, and then we see him have the highlight level jumping-spinning back-kick knockout of Impakasangani, and then... A pretty good highlight level knockout of Jordan Wright as well, where he was the aggressor in that fight. He was swinging, and you know Wright was undefeated. You know trained at uh, Jackson Wink, uh, so I don't know that that definitely could be one of those moments. It seems like it's one of those moments where it's just oh you know flip the switch, kind of like Masvidal and and his loss to uh, Wonderboy Thompson. Although that one, I mean at least there was some time in between. That was just two months later he came back and. And knocked out Kasanganai, so uh, they, they're they're making him you know climb the ropes just like any other fighter, and you know DiCirico, Chirico, I mean that is a guy who has uh, a fair amount of UFC experience, um, not a guy who uh, not a guy who I think is going to give Buckley too too much trouble. He, I mean he is on a three fight losing streak, hasn't won since a split decision back in 2018 over Julian Marquez. Uh, a win over uh, Olawale Bang B- Olawale bambouche. B- I'm sure I, I butchered that one, but you know he's not a UFC fighter anymore, so who gives a fuck? Um, but yeah, I mean definitely. I mean if DiChirico loses this one, uh, I, he's definitely getting cut because you, you can't lose four fights in a row in, in this company and expect to have a job. Uh, but I do think Buckley will handle him. Um, I, I don't know a whole lot about Di Chirico he's one of those guys where I see him fighting and I just don't watch because I, I just don't fucking care I don't care uh, he got beat fairly handedly by Zach Cummings if I remember correctly although I might not be because like I said I really don't pay attention when this guy fights just because you know everybody knows there's a couple of fights on the prelim where it's like if you're going to do something uh, you do it during those fights you know what I mean Like if you gotta, if you gotta go to the bathroom, if you gotta take a shower, if you gotta send off some emails, if you gotta make a pizza, if you gotta bake a cake, okay. We all know there's certain fighters where you're just like, you know what? I'll take the risk of not watching this fight because I just really don't care, and I'm probably not gonna miss much to be honest. I might miss a crazy knockout or you know a crazy sequence or something but i'm probably not i'm going to run the numbers in my head and just kind of not watch this one and uh, de Chirico is kind of that guy for me i just i don't really care I, I really don't but maybe he can prove me wrong because i've been proven wrong before about people who i I've, I've counted out so Hopefully this is a good fight. I, I think it'll be another highlight-level knockout for Joaquin Buckley just because I think he's on another level right now. And, I, you know, if he beats DiCirico, I, I really want to see what he can do next. I mean, that's you don't want to put the cart before the horse because, I mean, Jesus, the you, you know, MMA and the UFC is just full, just full of, of carts that were put before the horse. Okay, there's no shortage of that, but... You know, I really want to see him take on the top 15 opponent and, you know, really see what he can do against some high-level guys. All right, moving on to the featured bout on the main card. It is the return of the Argentinian legend Santiago Ponzinibbio uh, as he takes on uh, Lee John Ling, uh, Ponzanibio is 27 and 3. Uh, Li Jianlong is 17 and 6. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds. They're gonna have uh, Ponzanibio as the minus 300 favorite, which seems pretty high. But then again, I really forget how I really forget how good this guy was. You know, because of the super long layoff, and obviously his record is just fucking insane. 27 and 3. You know, of course, a lot of that came outside of the UFC. You know, if he was 27 and three in the UFC, you know, then he'd be a fucking legend. Um, but yeah, I just hope this guy's healthy. I, I really do. I'm so happy to see Ponzinibbio back. uh Goes without saying that I think he's gonna win. But I mean, seriously, this this was a guy who was the dark horse of the welterweight division. You know, just a couple of years ago, really more like three years ago. But uh, you know he's on a, he's on a seven fight winning streak uh, and you know there's some good names on there. you know there's not a lot of names that people are gonna go, oh wow, you know those are household names <laughs> wow, outside of one of them, for, but for the wrong reason. but like at these some really good fighters. I mean he knocked out uh, back in 2016 Court McGee. I mean Cort McGee's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. you know just just some t- tough uh, I think he's a farmer. maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But, uh, no, I must be thinking of somebody else. Who's the guy Brian Barbarina fought? Oh, shoot. Now I'm, now I'm blanking on irrelevant middleweights and, and, and welterweights. But, um, you know, knocked out Court McGee. Zach Cummings, that guy is really underrated. Nordin Taleb. I mean, nobody's going to be, be, you know, screaming from the rooftops that you beat Nordine Taleb. But that's a tough one. Knocked out Gunnar Nelson. You know, uh, his, his popularity's kind of fallen off the last handful of years, but he also was king shit at one point. Uh, beat Mike Perry by decision. Okay, I mean, that's a household name, but, you know, kind of for the wrong reasons. And then uh, in his return fight about a year later, a year after the Mike Perry one, uh, he knocked out Neil Magny in the fourth round. Uh, I believe in his home country. I believe that one was in bueno, Buenos Aires. And that was a pretty good knockout, too. I mean, that was a faceplant KO. And Neil Magny is one of the more active guys at welterweight. You know, he is in the rankings. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's that's probably his best win to date. But, you know, that was a guy who, if he didn't take that time off, I mean, even, even just in December, he was scheduled to fight Robbie Lawler. And, uh, you know, obviously he's not very high in the rankings, but that is a big name that people would tune in to watch and then know uh, who Nibio is, so he was really kind of poised for relevancy, and, uh, you know, it just didn't, didn't work out for him. He's been in the UFC for a long time, too. He's been here since uh, 2013, and, uh, yeah, my, my heart's going to tell me to put him in the rankings if he, get, he gets a win over uh, uh, Jin Liang, but I know I can't. I know I can't, but I, i'm i'm really excited for him to to return and uh you know jian long is uh i don't know he, he's a tough guy too because i've i've counted him out before so um let's see here who was the guy oh alessio zaleski Dos Santos i remember that fight and he just kind of weathered the storm and knocked him out in the third round i was pretty high on Dos Santos at that time and uh i didn't i didn't think he would do it uh you know i i've I don't know. that. There's a lot of fights that have made me realize that it's possible for a given fighter to win, obviously. But, like, I don't know. I was pretty pretty darn convinced that Zaleski Dos Santos is one of the most underrated fighters in the company and that he was going to win. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that that was also the UFC event in China. So it was in front of his home country. But, uh, yeah, he, he is a tough guy. We did have him in the rankings at one point uh, as well. But... I don't know, man. And that'd be pretty disappointing if Ponzinibbio didn't win. Uh, and Ponzin Ponzinibbio only wins by two ways. It's either a decision or a knockout. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see which one it is. I would I would lean on a knockout, but again, wouldn't shock me in in three three rounds if it uh, if it was a decision. All right, we're moving on here to the co-main event. Uh, it's a welterweight fight between Carlos Condit and Matt Brown uh, the odds are going to have Carlos Condit as the uh, minus 170 favorite uh, I, I like the match. I like the matchmaking on this one uh, just two old guys I, I think both of these guys probably should retire uh, I don't I don't think we'll see that but uh, they probably should uh, Carlos Condon uh, I don't know, man. I don't. You know, I, 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 I just don't. I don't know. I'm gonna say Condon is gonna win. Um, and he did. He did come back and get a victory uh, over Court McGee in October. He was riding one hell of a losing streak. Um, albeit it was to good fighters, but a guy who has definitely been passed by uh, by the sport and uh I don't know I just don't like see I don't like seeing people take damage and I don't really know what there is left for him to fight for um he's only 36 so I mean it is conceivable he fights for you know a few more years but I don't know man just you know he's nearing 50 pro fights I I don't know man I'm gonna favor him in this one although I think this is the Epitome of uh, of Bellator matchmaking which uh, I think is needed at times it's needed at times I mean you know because what the UFC likes to do is oh Carlos Condit uh, you know you're gonna come back and uh, and uh, you know want to continue fighting oh let's put you up against some 23 year old murderer who's just gonna fucking flatline you and steal what little bit of shine you have left to your name so I like that it's just two quote unquote legends because I don't think Matt Brown is a legend I think he's one of the most overrated fighters of all time I hope he gets flatlined in this fight I think that guy is a douche with a capital D Um, he's also 40 which I mean holy shit that's really old for welterweight that's really old okay like 40 as a heavyweight ah no big deal 40 as a light heavyweight ah that's a fairly big deal Okay, like Glover Teixeira is, is over 40, that's a big deal. 40 at middleweight, doesn't really happen. 40 at welterweight, I mean, oh my God. I mean, I don't know how this guy gets cleared by a commission. And 22-17, uh, and 17, not the greatest record of all time. Uh, you know, fair amount of knockout losses, so I'd be a little bit concerned about the, uh, the old brain and, uh, you know, CTE got knocked out uh, in May by Miguel Paeza. Baeza, excuse me. So, yeah, I don't know. Not a whole lot to fight for, but you know, if it's two old guys, you know, who are relatively at the same level, I don't really have a problem with it. So, I'm gonna say Condit is uh, is gonna win this one, mostly because I don't like Matt Brown, but also because I just think he's he's the better fighter. Uh, but it, again, this, this, this is this is this is old man sloppy bellator fighting so it wouldn't shock me if matt brown the immortal the immortal yeah i, I, I don't know i might revoke uh the uh, immortal nickname if my record was damn near 500 i might revoke that uh i don't know it seems like you're pretty mortal especially considering he, he's been knocked out cold you know a handful of times so i mean uh, evidently he was lying he was mortal but <laughs> you know what i mean but, you know whatever man god loves a trier all right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It is in the featherweight division uh, between Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. Uh, Holloway is 21-6. and six. Cater is 22-4. and four. We'll take a look here at the odds they're going to have Max Holloway as the minus 165 favorite. And fuck me, this is going to be a great one. And I'm so happy that it's not a pay-per-view co-main event. I'm really glad it's a five-round fight. I could very easily see this fight going into the championship rounds. Uh, I think stylistically, this fight is just going to be fucking epic. I mean, you know, you got a boxer in Calvin Cater, okay? And you got a kickboxer in Max Holloway, who, I mean, you know, let's face it. I mean, he's, he's also perfectly content with just being a boxer as well. So we might just see a fucking what is it, a, a Duchess of Queensbury fucking boxing match or whatever. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this one, this one is going to be good. It's going to be two high-class strikers. I mean, honestly, the two best strikers in the featherweight division. I mean, this is as high, high of a level of striking as we're going to get. I don't think there's going to be any takedowns. I don't think Max Holloway is one to shy away from, you know, standing and banging. You know what I mean? I think they're going to let him bang, bro. Uh, And, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, this is the same guy who, you know, pointed to the ground and, you know, just, you know, fought in a refrigerator booth or or fought in a phone booth. I guess there's no such thing as a refrigerator booth. But, I mean, I guess there is. I guess there is. Not really, though. Um, But, yeah, two two guys who fought in a phone booth, uh, Holloway and Ricardo Lamas, and, uh, you know, Hey, Cater was perfectly cool with, you know, standing there and, and swinging in the pocket against Jeremy Stevens, who is probably not a guy you would want to do that with, uh, you know, just as a as a cost-benefit analysis, even if you're a better striker and, you know, an elite striker like Calvin Cater, probably, you know, the, the old CBA would tell you not to do that with Stevens, because he probably is the hardest hitting 145-er, if we're being honest. I mean, you know, he also has a lot of fucking losses, you know, as a 145-er, but he's got a lot of knockout wins, so... I don't know, I probably wouldn't do that against Jeremy Stevens, but um, this one is going to be fucking epic, and the the stakes are a little bit unknown, but not really though, not really though, I mean, so I, I, I don't know where I heard this, maybe it was Ariel Helwani, maybe the nose knows, but I believe I heard somewhere where, actually it might have been that Q&A with Dana White where they were talking about Max Holloway and Max was asking like, man, I really want that rematch, rematch against Volkanovski. What do I have to do to get that rematch? I I think this might be what he has to do to get the rematch, go out and get a dominant convincing win over a top contender like Calvin Cater. So I don't, obviously what's at stake for Cater is a title shot. If he beats Max Holloway, he will get a title shot. I don't know if it'll be the next one. Because I don't know if they're gonna to try to swing or take it in there, but I'll tell you, there is a real recency bias in the UFC. So that's why I say the the timing works out really well for Calvin Cater, because the top the top seven maybe six, I, I forget my rankings exactly exactly. But like the top six or seven of the featherweight division has been really stagnant, okay? And, and, and Cater's been one of the more active guys at the top of that division. So when you're putting together the case for a title shot and you look at a guy like Calvin Cater who's staying active and he's beating guys in impressive fashion, it's a lot easier to go with a Calvin Cater than a Brian Ortega, who has had one fight in the last two years. And if we go to two and a half years, then, you know, you would see his brutal knockout ass-whooping defeat at the at the hands of Max Holloway so you know I think the case for Cater to get a title shot if he wins is incredibly strong especially because there's nothing officially announced with you know Volkanovsky and anybody else now if Holloway wins I think it is conceivable that he gets a trilogy fight I'm not saying that's what I would do I'm not even saying it's the most likely thing but I think it is conceivable and I think why that why that is is because you know Max was asking around, what does he have to do to get to get back to that Volkanovski fight? It, it's going to be tough, because he, he did lose those two fights, and I, I don't care what anybody says. Holloway did not win the second fight. Fucking Volkanovski did win that second fight. So, listen, it's very hard to push for a trilogy when you lost the first two, okay? That's pretty fucking hard. Because then we also get into a slippery territory where it's like, well, you lost the first two and then won the third. Well, we need to run it back a fourth time because I beat you twice. You only beat me once. We got to go to a fourth one. Okay, now I, you know what I mean? Now we need to do it five times. So, it, it is tricky, but I think that's what's going to happen because otherwise, I think Holloway would have moved up to 155. You know what I mean? I think if the UFC would have told him, now maybe, now maybe the UFC beat around the bush and maybe they didn't give him a straight answer. But I think if the UFC told him, listen, we have no interest in making you and Volkanovski for a third time. You lost to him twice in the last year. Uh, Well, 13 months. Uh, Not going to happen. I think you would have just moved up to 155 and tried to conquer, you know, a a new territory, you know, because if your path is blocked to the championship, what the fuck are you going to do? Max is one of the most dominant champions of all time at lower weight classes. So, He doesn't strike me as a guy, especially as a guy who's like 28, you know, he doesn't strike me at a guy who's at a point in his career, it's not like he's 38, where he's like, okay, I guess I'll just take the biggest fights I can get, and if I get another title shot, well, that's cool, I guess, but I'm just going to try to beat big names, former champs, you know, try to boost my legacy. Now, the fact that he stayed at 145, I think says that there, not only does he think there's a path to the title, but he's probably been told that there is a way to the title at 145. And I think that it definitely starts with Calvin Cater. Now, whether or not he would have to go out and beat, uh, you know, a Brian Ortega or something, listen, we'll see. Because Max Holloway is also very good at turning around. You know, he's a pretty active fighter, especially at the highest level, which is so impressive. It's one thing to fight every three months on the prelims. But, you know, when you're a champion fighting four times in, like, 14 months or something, uh, that's impressive, or whatever stretch he had a couple of years ago. Um, We don't know when Volk is coming back So Say they're targeting A return for him in May or June With You know if Holloway gets through this uns, unscathed, unscathed You know we know Ortega's just fine I, I want to see that fight happen again And I want to see that fight happen Whether or not it's now or if a couple of years from now I think that's a rematch we have to see especially on Ortega's side. You know, hey, Ortega says he's a, he's a much improved striker. Uh, you know, we saw that in, in the fight with uh, the Korean Zombie. Well, we know Max is still a very good striker. I'd love to see that again. I don't think the result would be too different, if I'm being honest, because I think Max is uh, he's very overlooked these days because he has lost three of his last four, uh, you know, to, to uh, Volk twice, and then the, the interim lightweight fight. Uh, with um, uh, Dustin Poirier, but you know I, I, I think the stakes are actually a lot higher than people think in the main event. Um, I do think Holloway wins I, I just think he's the he's the more well-rounded fighter um, I know cater has has improved on this I don't know how much and I don't Max doesn't strike me as a guy who's just gonna leg kick the shit out of you but he is a guy who can throw those leg kicks. Caters had such a tough time defending leg kicks. I mean, he's he's a boxer to a fault, and I hope he's fixed that because Max can throw him. And you know, we that, that was his downfall in the Moicano fight uh, a couple of years ago. So it was a little while ago, but you know, not not too far from from you know the recent memory. Um, and uh, he, he you know he got outstriked by uh, uh, Zabit, so. He's a very good boxer, but I, I'm just really concerned about him going up against a guy like a Holloway. I think Holloway would have the ground advantage if the fight went to the ground. I do not anticipate that. But um, I, I do think Holloway is just a better striker. So it's tough It's tough for me when I'm looking at two fighters, and one of them is more well-rounded than the other, which would be Holloway. But also, Cater's strength is, is not better... Than Holloway's. So like even so so Cater's strength is striking, but Holloway's a better striker. So Holloway's a better striker, and he's more well-rounded. I think it'll be very a very high level fight. I think it'll be cl- very close at times. So I'm not saying it's a blowout, but I do feel pretty confident in in the fact that Max Holloway's gonna win this one. I think he's gonna be incredibly motivated. We saw that in the rematch against Volkanovski Now he faded a little bit, but he had Volk Hurt. He really did. He had him hurt and those first two rounds were tremendous. He came out with with a, a real tempo change, a real passion uh, in in his in you know everything he did, his movements, you know, throwing a little extra mustard on his strikes. So I think I think Cater is is going to be in a bad spot because Holloway is probably thinking, "Jesus, I've lost 3 of my last 4," which again sounds bad. They were really good fighters, but you know, sometimes this business, you know, it's, 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 it's green or red. It's win or loss. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> even at the highest level, you can't rack up too many losses. Again, I'm not saying he's in any danger of being cut, but what I am saying is, you know, you can't rack up too many losses because then you go from championship main events to co-main events to, to fight night, uh, headliners, you know, and if you, if you lose a couple more, you know, you're sliding down the main card, you know what I mean? So you, the, the, this, business, this business, a lot of things matter. A lot of things matter, but ultimately it's about winning fights. You know what I mean? Don't, you don't win fights, you're not going to be relevant. And, uh, you know, I, I think it wouldn't shock me if, it, if this was just a completely renewed Max Holloway. I mean, again, let's not forget this dude is super, super fucking young, uh, all things considered. I mean, he's 29 years old, just turned 29. I mean, I don't know, and he, he takes better care of his body ever since that uh, health scare a couple of years ago uh, right around the time of the uh, Ortega fight uh, or maybe it was the Edgar fight but uh, yeah, I don't know I think this guy would do very good things if he ever moved up to lightweight, I think lightweight is actually becoming, you know it's still stacked but it's not as stacked as it used to be, I think it's becoming easier at lightweight, especially with uh, Khabib probably moving on so I think if this guy moved to lightweight, he he probably could become champ, but you know, I commend him that he's staying at 145, and uh, yeah, man, I, I think he beats Cater. I, I don't think this fight is going to get ended super early, but I think it could end. It could end in round two or round three, depending on how much they want to push the pace, okay, because again, like I was saying, both of these guys are totally cool with just slinging it in the pocket, so really... You know, it, it, it depends on whether or not Max Holloway, you know, woke up feeling dangerous. Okay, if he woke up feeling dangerous, might finish Cater in round number two, might finish him in early round number three. If not, I could see it going to a decision. It surprised me a little bit, but I could see it. Or or a later round TKO. Uh, but I don't know. I think there's uh, you know, if it goes to a if it goes to a decision, I don't know. There might be some striking records broken. You know what I mean? Because there's gonna be a lot of strikes thrown okay but uh yeah at the end of the at the end of the day we're gonna go with uh jerome max kelly holloway better known as max holloway uh in in this one um so with that we're gonna wrap up our uh, preview of ufc fight night holloway versus tater uh always good to be back with uh you fine fine folks um yeah that's about it um Be sure to check out NorthStarSports.media. We do update the rankings, even though there was nothing going on other than Anthony Pettis leaving for the PFL. So uh, we do have updated rankings. Uh, You got to check out the main card showdown. I mean, it's the fastest growing show in America. Really in the whole world, if you want to think about it. I mean, it's just growing at an astronomical pace. And, I mean, listen, we're only one week away from uh, the uh, January Grand Prix. So, you know, it's it's because of the three-week layoff. I mean, you know, we're getting right back to it. We're getting right back to it. So, you know, a lot of big things happening there. You also can follow me on Twitter at North Northstar Sports on Twitter at NorthstarMIN. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.